Every day is a competition against your pride, comfort zone, fear, complacency, snooze alarms, bad habits, bad relationships, and more. This podcast is for the ambitious, willing to compete every day to make an impact in their career, health, relationships, and life. Each week, Compete Every Day founder Jake Thompson interviews leaders in business, fitness, psychology, and sports to explore what championship performers can teach us about making winning changes in life. In life. By listening today, you're deciding to start competing for your best life. What's up, competitors? Welcome back. That's right. This is the second episode in a week. Get used to it because all 2019 long, we are going to be dropping multiple episodes every week for you with motivation, interviews, tips, and resources to help you become the best competitor you can be. If you're just now tuning in, my name is Jake Thompson. I'm the founder and chief encouragement officer at Compete Every Day and your host each and every week on the Compete Podcast. I'm jacked that you're here this week, but before we dive into the show with this week's guest, let me remind you of a few things. Let me share a few things so that you can get better connected with other competitors. We have the Everyday Competitors community on Facebook. It's free to join. Mention that you heard about it on the show and drop in. It's at facebook.com slash groups slash compete every day. If you search Compete Every Day in your your search bar in Facebook, you'll not only find our Facebook page, but you'll find this community. We would love to have you. We've got over 2,000 people in there getting connected, getting equipped to be the best competitor they possibly can be in the gym, in their career, at their house, and in their life. We know that every day is a competition, and so we are a community of people determined to win that competition, to win that competition over our fears, our doubts, our pride, our past failures, our egos, bad relationships, bad habits, all of it, everything trying to hold you down and bring you back in this life, we are determined to help you overcome that. So join us. If you want to get in touch with the show, shoot me a note. I would love to connect with you. I'd love for you to say hi podcast at competeeveryday.com is the best email for us. And as always, if this is the first episode you're tuning into, if you love it, we've got over a hundred episodes in the library that you can download, binge on, great interviews, great motivational resources and reminders, lots of content there for you to get connected. And the last thing I've got for you before we kick off this show is please do me one favor. If you love this interview today with James, share it with one friend. That's it. One person. Post it on your Facebook page. Send them an email. Send them a private message. Say, hey, you got to listen to this episode. You got to get connected to compete every day. That helps us. You guys help spread the message, spread that positive mindset so we can impact the world with more competitors. Now, today's guest is a great buddy of mine. I've known him for a year, but sometimes it feels like we've been buddies for life. His name is James Leith. He is a leadership and performance coach for athletes, coaches, and all-around performers. James has worked at one of the most prestigious companies in the U.S. at IMG Academy as the head of their leadership program. James is now the founder of Unleash the Athlete and is a performance coach not only for esports gamers, pro athletes, college athletes, but everyday professionals, helping them to have that competitor mindset and achieve success. We talk a little bit about James' journey, and then we talk about grit. How do we develop grit in our lives? How do we develop grit in our children's lives? What are some things that we can do to become grittier people? 
We know that life is not easy. Life is always going to be throwing things your way. And the only way to overcome them and achieve success is to have grit. It's more important than your talent. It's more important than who you know. Your grit is one of the most important things you can build. And so James and I dive into that. So how you can become a grittier competitor. Now, I'm ready to get rolling. I know you're tired of hearing me talk. You're ready to hear James. So let me welcome to the show, James Leith. James Leith, welcome to the show, buddy. I did that, Ronnie. You were uh, taking (laughs) water for anybody not. Totally got me. Totally got me. Dude, okay, so we've been friends going on a year now, thanks to uh, Mutual Connection, Coach Ed Molitor uh, getting us connected. I know you pretty well. The listeners don't. So why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about who you are, how you got to DFW and Frisco, and what you're up to now with Unleash the Athlete, your coaching, speaking, and everything else. Well, I, I appreciate it. It's, it's really great to finally be on your show. I mean, we talked about this for months, and we've met a few times to, to do this, and uh, we end up just having coffee and, and talking. So, yeah, I'm in, I'm in Frisco, Texas. Uh, you're, you know it well. You live down the street from me. And, uh, you know, I, I came out here about a year ago. I was at IMG Academy. I was the head of leadership development, and I was working with all the athletes over there, and my father became ill. He had, he had a stroke, and then he had another stroke. And so I resigned at IMG. And I moved to Frisco. I really didn't have a plan. I didn't have any, any leads on what I was going to do. And I was already in my dream job. Anybody who's ever been to IMG or knows about it, it's, it's like Hogwarts for athletes. You know, it's just like they have the best of the best there. And I was teaching leadership development and just loved it. So a couple months go by. And I think uh, probably around March, April, I decided I want to keep doing it. And uh, the Ed, the guy you mentioned earlier, he brought me out to Chicago and I worked with the basketball team out there and saw right away that there was a huge need for leadership development, mental resiliency training, uh, and discussion around character. And so I, I started Unleash the Athlete, which is an online platform and a live workshop platform for athletes and coaches from high school to college, even have a... Uh, a women's professional football team uh, working with them. And in the discussions really are just, they're about life. There's a book called Legacy that I know you're familiar with. And it talks about the All Blacks from New Zealand. And it talks about how the, the All Blacks, it says better people make better All Blacks. And just the idea that if you're focusing on your inner self, if you know who you are, if you have, if you have reflected upon the things that you've gone through that you are going to use that to be a better athlete or a better business person or a better husband or a better wife, better brother, sister. And so the whole idea of leadership development and where I'm at currently with Unleash the Athlete is just, I'm trying to influence coaches and give them strategies to be able to help athletes be better people. I love it, man. I love it. Obviously your message and a lot of the things you talk about are why we instantly hit it off. And so I want to flash back a little bit. Majority of this show, we're going to be talking about grit, mental toughness, and a lot of the things you coach and teach, but I want to dive back to kind of where more of your journey started and what prompted you or inspired you to kind of go down this career path and then how you landed that dream job at IMG. Because a lot of people listening are like, well, that, that's good for him. He probably, you know, lucked into that. Like, how, how did you get from point A to, to there so that someone listening can be encouraged with the idea of, okay, this is what different paths look like? 
You know, it's, it's an interesting journey that I could never have written five years ago. I would have never been able to say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to go to IMG and I'm going to do this. And then I'm going to work, I'm going to be in Frisco. I thought I was going to be a high school football coach at my alma mater, Central High School in Fresno, California into perpetuity, like right off into the sunset, head coach football. Like that was my dream. And, uh, probably seven, eight years ago, I saw the word sport and the word psychology in the same sentence. And I never knew that that was actually a thing. Uh, now it's kind of common knowledge, but I saw it. It was, I think it was, it was a white Sox uh, job ad. And I thought, that's amazing. I didn't know that that was even available. I had already had my, my bachelor's in communication because I was reading a book by John Gruden called Do You Love Football? And he got his bachelor's in communication because he had a belief that life is sales and that he was always going to be selling a game plan to his athletes. I thought, brilliant. And the fact that I went into my first math class as my, I was going to get my credential in teaching. I went into the math class and I saw the teacher that failed me twice in high school. She was now my college professor. And we, me and Miss Farmer, we like locked eyes. And I was like, nope. <laughs> Literally just walked out of the classroom. I just read that chapter by John Gruden, went to the uh, admissions department. I was like, I got to switch. I'm going to be communication. The Fresno State was where I went. And they were just like, yeah, whatever, pay your tuition. <laughs> So like, now I'm a comm major. And what's funny is that even after I graduated, I still became a teacher because it turns out you don't actually need a degree in teaching to be a teacher. You just need a degree. But they don't tell you that in the admissions process. <laughs> but moving uh, before that, when I was in eighth grade, I had a situation where my coach, I was playing flag football and I was playing pop corner with like another team at a different school because my school didn't have it. But my coach that I had grown, did you, did you ever watch Boy Meets World? Yep. So you remember Mr. Feeney? How Mr. Yep. Feeney like went from grade to grade with Corey and all them? I had a teacher like that. His name was Mr. Gabriel. And in my eighth grade year, he was always my coach. Eighth grade, he was like, I'm done. I'm done coaching. And so this other guy came in and he pulls me aside two weeks into the practice. And he goes, hey, Jimmy, is what they called me back then. If you... Uh, don't kind of take a more leadership role in this team. The team's going to fold. I was like, I, I don't know what you mean. He goes, I'm trying to run for city city council at the time. I didn't know what that was. You might as well be president. I'm eighth grade. I don't care. And he goes, uh, he goes, I, I want you to be an assistant coach. And I'm like, I'm an eighth grader. I'm on the team. We haven't even voted for captains yet. I go, uh, let me think about it. So I, that night I went to youth, uh, like my youth group and my, my, uh, my pastor was like, Hey, Tell him to tell the team that it was his idea or else it's going to fail. He didn't even ask me if I wanted to do it. He, <laughs> he just assumed because I was like, because I knew that if I didn't have sports, I, it, it, before sixth grade, Problem Child, the movie was basically written after my life. I got in fights. I, beat, I, I was terrible. And then I found sports. And so I was like, all right, Paul, like, I, I got that. So I went the next morning and I was like, okay, you got to tell the team that I'll be the assistant coach. And so uh, we voted for captains. I was voted a captain. And then the coach goes, all right, listen up. Um, if everybody's okay with it, you've seen me on my phone. I'm going to be, I'm going to be, you know, doing this stuff. And James or Jimmy is going to run practice. And everyone's like, okay. And I'm sitting around nervous. I'm sweating, you know, like, I'm like, looking around, they're going to boo me. They're going to, you know, I've got this imposter syndrome, right? Like there's yeah. no way they're going to accept me. And they're just like, yeah, okay, Jimmy, you got it. Yeah. 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 I got it. So 
because I had such good role models before then through the, my former coach, I knew the art of delegation. And so during recess in eighth grade, because that's a thing in eighth grade, I miss it and nap time, miss nap time. But um, I, I pulled up a couple of my buddies and I was like, all right, look, I don't know anything about being a lineman. You're going to run some lineman drills. I don't know anything about being a linebacker. You're going to run defense and I'm a, I'll go quarterback. So I'll just use the plates from last year. And so uh, I had an amazing experience. We got to practice. Everything was good. And afterwards I would talk to the guys, how you doing? We're good like that. Okay. And so that began my leadership training. I was given an opportunity to fail, which isn't, isn't something that a lot of kids get these days. So, you know, the, you see a seven-year-old whose dad is carrying the equipment bag to that kid's practice. That kid doesn't have a chance. Like <laughs> there's no, like they're not going to face adversity. And, uh, you know, that's something I went through at IMG is you had, I mean, it's $80,000 a year to go to school there unless you're on scholarship and not many were on scholarship. So these kids, their, their biggest adversity is my phone died. Like, Coach, I can't go to practice. I, I can't go to class. My, my phone's on 3%. <laughs> what if I get a stat? <laughs> what if somebody tags me in, in Instagram? And, and it was just the, putting them through any kind of adversity was very difficult because if you come down on them, then it's too much. They call their parents and <laughs> you get in trouble. But back to eighth grade, I had this opportunity to fail. And it was literally do it or there's no team. And now we did well. We went undefeated. We won the championship. It was great. I thought, this is great. And so for the next four months, I didn't, I no longer wanted to play professional football. Like that's never, if you played football or baseball, like you want to play pro, I was like, I don't want to play. I want to coach. This is awesome. So then I show up to baseball and I'm on the Blue Jays. I get drafted to the Blue Jays and uh, like literally not like professional. I wasn't that good, <laughs> but uh, we don't have a coach. And so my dad comes to pick me up and my, my dad was the kind of guy who had the beer between his legs on the way to practice. Like he was bad news bears. And he's like, I'll coach. And I'm like, no dad, sit down. Like you're good. You can't even stand. And like, he goes, no, 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 I got this. I got this. And so he would show up to practice and he wouldn't really be able to do anything. So now I'm in another leadership position. We were terrible. We went defeated. We played some games with six players because I couldn't figure out the schedule. So I went from the most amazing experience as a coach, flag football, eighth grader, to now I'm coaching a baseball team, which I've never, I never played before. And it's terrible. So then I go into my freshman year. I'm like, I'm never coaching. Forget that. That sucks. That's terrible. And then uh, I was dating a girl when I was a sophomore and the freshman team was like, we need a softball assistant coach. And I was like, I'll, I'll do it. So, cause Holly's going to be there. So, uh, yeah. And so I, I kept putting myself in these, in these situations where I was a leader and I sought out role models. I sought out positive coaches. Now I had crappy coaches too, but you can learn things from bad coaches. And, you know, if you probably had the same experience too, I'm thankful for the crappy coaches I had because they showed me kind of what not to do. And sometimes I get so angry at those coaches that, I would want to prove them wrong. And then other coaches were too soft and I would just walk all over them. So the leadership development for me really started really young. And I appreciated the men and women who pushed me through there and then through high school, because I, I had to work in order to buy my cleats and my mouthpiece or whatever. And so my dad said, you either have a job or you play a sport. So I'm like, sport, <laughs> fantastic. So I went from sport to sport to sport. 
and also had a paper out. And so nowadays when kids and, and parents ask me like, how do I get more mentally tough? I'm like, well, you know, you need to, you need to struggle. You need to have some kind of adversity. Whereas I wanted to go to prom. So I had to get a job at pizza hut and play basketball. So it's doing it at the same time. And now it's nowadays, it's like, that's unheard of. It's like, yeah, but it made me learn time management. And in college, when you're playing sport in college, you have a full-time job and you have to go to school. Parents don't realize that, that when you're playing sport in college, it's hard and you have to make the team every year and the scholarship's not guaranteed. So coming back to leadership development, I just, I think it's so important to empower coaches with different strategies and permission almost to let the kids struggle a little bit and, and, and just know that the parents are going to come down. Why are you know, not being nice to my kid? It's like, hold on, not, something I'm not being nice is I'm allowing them to struggle. Take some notes, mom, take some notes, dad. You know, so uh, when I got to IMG. Well, how did you get so first? Let's, how did you get to IMG? Yeah. So I didn't know IMG existed. And I had got so frustrated with youth sports that I left sports. I was done with sports. I stopped coaching. I stopped playing uh, semi-pro football. I was like, I'm done with sports. And I went into the business world. I was a sales manager at this company called Mind Body. And it was, it was a lot of fun and I had nothing to do with sports. And what I found is that it was really empty because my whole life had been learned through sports and now I didn't have sports. And so uh, I, I was feeling very empty and that's, I spent five years or so in corporate America and then just kept on, I started writing these things called coach notes. It's these like 500 um, words a week and I still write them, but I just started just writing out these experiences that I had. And when I found a program to get my master's in sports psychology, everybody kept talking about this place, IMG Academy. And so what I did actually is I found the job that I wanted at IMG. It was the head of mental conditioning and I printed it out. And I, it was the only thing it was like, I would have it. And it was the only thing on my wall by my desk. That was it. And what I did is I started checking off all the qualifications, never assuming I would ever work there. But what I wanted to do is I wanted to be the kind of person that could work there. So they listed all of the qualifications. So I started gaining those qualifications, get a master's, start learning another um, language, uh, get certified through this company, have this kind of work with these kind of teams and just started checking them off. And then I had an opportunity to go to a conference where the hiring manager was going to be there. It was in Indianapolis. And I was teaching at a small college business, which I had no business teaching business, but for some reason I talked them into hiring. That was a good, that was a sales pitch on my part. They hired me, right? Life is sales. So I'm teaching accounting, never took an accounting class in my life. I'm teaching college level accounting. So I'm like basically a chapter ahead of everybody in the class. <laughs> and uh, I, I asked my wife at the time, I was like, hey, um, I have an opportunity to meet these people at ING Academy. I know that they'll hire me if I just meet them. And she's like, okay, well, what does that mean? It means I have to resign my position and I have to buy a ticket to this conference and I got to fly across the country just for the chance to have a conversation with that person. And she was like, um, no, <laughs> it's not going to happen. <laughs> and I said, okay, fair enough, fair enough. So I let it sit for a couple of weeks. 
And uh, I brought it up again. I was like, Hey, uh, it, it wasn't a one-time thing. Like, I really, I really think that, that I should do this. And she was just like, okay, go for it. So I resigned, booked it, flew out there, had a couple conversations at the end of the conference. I sat down with the, the hiring manager and he was like, I, I really got to tell you, um, you're not, you're not a mental conditioning coach. Like you're not good for that job. And so like my heart just like breaks. And I was like, okay, okay. All right. And, but he was playing me. He was like, you're a leadership guy. And I go, well, what do you mean? He's like, everything you're talking about. I told him a story about Dorothy, how Dorothy's my favorite leader, because long story short, she goes through all this like adversity and meets all the people that she needs and delegates and then beats the wizard. And then what most people forget is she was asleep the whole time all that stuff was in her. So like everybody has the ability to be a leader. It's inside of you already. And Dorothy had a dream and woke up and she's like, I got everything I need. And who knows what she did after that. And, you know, Wizard of Oz too. Come to a theater near you. Right. And so, uh, so I get there and he goes, you're a leadership guy. And a couple weeks later, they flew me out to, uh, to IMG and on November 19th, 2015. And I, I'm, got the job. So I was a leadership coach. And then a couple months later, I was the head of leadership development and I revamped the entire curriculum. And we talked about identity and connection and communication and inspiration and empowerment. Like it was just, it was a, it was a beautiful time to really just hone in on what is leadership development. And, and I knew it was important to take that job. One, I liked the people there, but number two, the interview was on November 19th. And that day for me is a big, big deal. It's what my tattoo is from Jumanji. My brother passed away years ago and I always wanted a way to, to commemorate him because he was my biggest fan. He couldn't play sports. He had a medical condition, so he would always be there for me. He made some bad decisions. And the last conversation I ever had with him, he was in prison. And so we're sitting there in, in the waiting room and he says, you know, um, Jimmy, when, when uh, you used to coach, I used to come to watch you coach, but you didn't know I was there. And I was like, dude, I never saw you there. Like, where were you? He's like, I was hiding. I didn't want to bother you. He goes, I just want you to know that had you been my coach, I wouldn't be behind bars. Like the world needs more people like you. And when a family member says that, oh, like it means a lot, you know? I mean, but when this is being recorded, it's a couple of days after Christmas. And I'm sure a lot of people have negative stories about their family, but this was a positive one. Uh, and he passed away a few weeks later. It was the last conversation I ever had with him. And so on November 19th, it's his birthday. That's when I celebrate Monty, my brother. And that's when the interview was. And so I knew that I was supposed to be there. Now, when I got there, I had already done the work. Here's what a lot of people forget. When you get the opportunity to impress somebody, you and I do a lot of speaking. And when we first started, we were like, I want to be on stage with John Maxwell and Tony Robbins. Like we, we think about like, oh, if that opportunity were to come tomorrow, we'd be good. No, we'd be ruined for life. Like if they would have called me 10 years ago, my mentor, John Gordon, would 10 years ago would have been like, come join me on stage. I would have just crapped my pants and I would, I would have been laughed off the stage because I wasn't ready. And in fact, I even told him, I was like, John, uh, you know, I, I need some time to go do life. And, you know, I did life now and so now I'm ready. And so, and he's, he's one of my good friends. And it, what people forget is that when you want to be something, you got to start the work years ago because the opportunity can come right away. I mean, when Ed told me about you and we sat down at coffee, 
I had years of experience to bring to that table. And so your and I's friendship, like, you know, it was right away. It was immediate, you know? And so it, whoever, you know, you're listening to this and you're like, Oh, this, this is my goal is to do this right now. Start preparing. Like you're going to get that opportunity tomorrow. You have to, because when I got to IMG, they were like, yeah, your master's is cool. And your experience is impressive. That's cool. But what actually got it was they went on my social media channels and they saw years of content specific to leadership development, mental resiliency, character development. It was all there. And so I had put in the work way before it's like, it's like building a house before there's a family to move into it. All of a sudden a family needs a house. You're like, well, we have, we have to build it. Well, the family needs it now. We should have started building it six months ago. So So on that note, what advice do you have for individuals that are late thirties, early forties, mid forties, or even later listening to this show? And perhaps the only thing going through their head is crap. Like I just, I missed my window. I should have started this years ago. What do you tell them in that moment? Um, start looking out bigger windows because you, you have so much time. Like if you're in, if you're in your thirties and you're like, Oh, I missed my moment. What does that mean for the 50 year old? That's like, "Eh, I think I'm going to start over. You know, when I look at my dad who passed away at 72, when you and I, are 72, we're not going to be as old as he was. I I saw the uh, Ellen DeGeneres special yesterday and she's 60. And I'm like, when did that happen? I was just watching her sitcom like yesterday, you know? And when I I went to Elton John, he was in uh, Dallas a couple weeks ago and he's like, I'm 67. I've been touring for 50 years. I'm like, you're 67. Like, you know, the Dwayne, the rock Johnson's in his fifties. Like, you know, so like there's so much time. And you can, it's like compound interest. What does Jefferson say? Like, that's like the seventh wonder of the world, like compound interest. And so you take three of the books that are behind you right now and you implement one or two of those strategies, you know, or join your book club. Like you do that and you're, you're, you get better. And it's, uh, people want to like, like if they need a stack, They want to like put a brick down and then another brick, like, Oh, look, I got four bricks and it's this big. But then the person who's going to make it, who has a stack this high of pieces of paper, it's like, boom. So like, here's the paper. And then you lay another paper. And after a couple of years, you've got this right here. Now I take a fist, boom. And I try to hit the paper. It's not going anywhere, but the bricks, those are going to break because there's just four of them. So I would rather have years of experience. I just made up that metaphor right now. That's, that's pretty good. We're going to have to write that down and use it. Save that one. Save that one. But so um, the person in their 30s and their 40s, it's like, oh, you know, I, I missed my boat. No, you didn't. There's so many boats out there. Like you, you got to just keep on going. If you, if you're going to, if you, if, if you have a connection to, to the Lord and the Lord said, Hey, actually, you know, you're going to die in six months. So you really did miss your window. All right. You know what? Different story, but you don't know. And so, you know, what is it like uh, live like you're going to die tomorrow, work like you're going to live forever. Like you got plenty of time, but you don't start today. You don't have to start in eighth grade leadership development. That was, I didn't choose that. That just happened. But I guarantee that everybody listening to this has something from their past, multiple things that they can go, Oh yeah, I overcame that. Wow. I know, I know a lot of people who 
whose parents have passed away, you know, siblings, or they went through a breakup and they overcame that. You can use that. You can reflect upon that and use that to make yourself better for the future. Dude, spot on. I love this idea of build a bigger window, look at a bigger window. You created a bigger window because after your time at IMG, you chose to leave to move to Dallas to be closer to your father. You jumped into an industry that's just exploding now in esports, and additionally have been building Unleash the Athlete. Tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing today through UTA uh, and where your focus is. So I, I spent some time in esports um, as a pr- director of performance for an organization owned by the Dallas Cowboys. And that was a lot of fun because it was a new industry when it came to mental resiliency training, to leadership development. It's still kind of in its infancy. I was one of the only people with that title in all of esports, and it's such a huge industry. But what I found is that whether in esport, like you're a professional gamer or you're an Olympic athlete or football player, whatever it is, you still need very basic mental training. There are things like uh, goal setting, um, being very intentional about your pregame ritual, being intentional about your energy level and your, your emotional control, your emotional maturity. There are things that I teach in my workshops all around the world now that I basically just wish I knew when I was in, in eighth grade or when I was in high school. Uh, being able to write down my goals. I didn't start doing that until I was in my 20s. There's no reason to start in your 20s, start in your teens or start your 30s if you haven't done that yet, right? So there's just, there's a lot of strategies um, that just, they're out there that I've been digging in books for years. I I have a book club. I've got a ton of books. Like I'm always reading something. There's gold in those pages, and I can pull that out and I can be like, hey, try this. For example, there's uh, something I got from a guy named Dan John and uh, in a book called uh, Starting Strength. And he talks about pirate maps and shark bites. And the pirate map is like Thursdays, I do whites on the laundry and uh, I do like a deep cleaning in my teeth or something like that. And I was like, okay, so every Thursday, like that's the map. The other thing is like shark bites. Like if he has a project he has to do, he breaks it down into, into little, little bites and then just, you know, just does that. Make sure that happens. Um, there's another thing where uh, it was, it's, oh, um, your uh, six point to-do list. Every night you write down six things that you need to do the next day and write them in order. And then the next day when you start working, don't do anything until the first one's done. And don't do anything until the second thing's done. Take a break and then do the same thing for three through six. And you just do that over and over and over. And all of a sudden you realize like, I'm getting a lot of stuff done. You know, so there's these little strategies that I picked up and I'm sure I've stolen some from you and all these other podcasts that I listen to, but you got to be intentional about the person that you are. When you look in the mirror, you don't want to let that person just, oh, I just happen to be James Lee. No, like I'm intentional about the person that I am today. Like I'm intentional about the clothes that I wear, the way my body looks, the way I sound, the way I walk, the people I hang out with, the music I listen to. That's all by design. That's all intentional. I don't let things just happen to me. Like I, I, they happen for me. And then I'm like, can I use that? No, I can't use that. I'm going to get, oh, I can use this. And I just kind of pull from things. So that's what my, my workshops are. They're a little more focused than that, you know, garbage dump I just gave you right now. But, but I mean, 
that's that's key because one of the points you made out as well is having a clear picture and vision of the person you're trying to become like the goals you've set what type of individual achieves that the person that's living the life you want what type of, of individual is that and then what are the actions you have to take on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis right. to become that individual and then creating the plan to do that? What are the six things every day? James Clear and Atomic Habits that I know we've chatted about a little bit has his daily scorecards and the way he kind of his daily habit tracker is what he has. And I've modified it for myself to have a daily scorecard. Like I know my goals for the year and then I've broken right. them down to if I do this every day, I'm going to be very close to hitting that goal or I'm going to hit it and go past it. But it's all about identifying who we want to become and being very intentional every single day with what we do, what we say, how we act that gets us there. So on that note, I, I want to switch a little bit because you are a leadership performance coach, but you're all about mental toughness, grit. Uh, you have a story about, uh, parents and a, and a mom and a son in Starbucks and a great example oh, yeah. of the opportunity for this kid so to be great. And so one, I'd love for you to share that as a great way for parents listening that they can start to instill grit uh, in their children. But then I want to switch gears right after that and talk about what are ways as adults that we can develop our own grit and strengthen it. So the, the story you're talking about, um, I call it the zipper phenomena and I was, I was standing there, I got my coffee, I'm ready to walk, and I see this mom holding a hot chocolate and holding her coffee by the door and just staring at her son. And her son's maybe four, and it's cold outside, and it's, her son is trying to zip up his jacket. And she's standing there just smiling while he's struggling. And he's on the verge of tears. He's like, mom, help me. She's like, you, you got it, honey. And he's like, I can't do it. You know, he does his little, oh, good dude. And she's just like, doesn't even flinch. And it's maybe 30 seconds. For me, it feels like five hours. I'm sitting here watching this kid struggle, but I want to see what happens. Is this mom going to give, give in or is she going to let this kid do it? So finally, the kid is zip and he zips it up really fast. And all the anger and frustration and just sadness turns into just jubilee just oh, mom i did it she's like yeah you did i knew you could gave him the hot chocolate didn't make a big deal out of it left and i just thought what an amazing experience that, that kid just had that kid probably will never remember that story but what he will get from that story is that i can do it it's self-efficacy it's the idea that if i work hard i can zip up the zipper and I just thought that was such a beautiful example of a mom knowing that 30 seconds of struggle was going to equate to a lot longer of a person being able to do stuff on their own. Because it had been very simple if she was just like, oh, come on, we got to go shopping and spend money on stuff we don't want, need for people we don't like. Let's go, you know, and could have totally done that. But she just waited. And that was so cool. And I mean, there was another situation where I was uh, – uh, my wife and I, we, we were fostering and I was, I was training for a triathlon and I'm working on my best time and I'm, I'm at the end of my run and I'm so excited. I see the finish line of my training and I'm, I'm looking at my watch. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm 15 seconds below. And she brings out the kids and I had a decision to make. Keep going 
or screw the time. Like there's the kids. And so I'm running and I'm just like, Hey, what's going on? You know, who cares about the time? Like, I know I would have made it on my training log and be like, stopped 15 seconds short. Here was my time. I'm good. I didn't need to achieve that because the most important thing is that I connected with this little guy. And that uh, there's this thing I put out on Twitter the other day, kids are kids like presents, but what they really want is your presence and they want you to be there. And so you can create these relationships. I, I get a little off topic with that, but I guess I, I wanted to share that as far as adults creating grit, creating resiliency, it's the, the, the idea of delaying gratification, uh, turning or taking control of the notifications on your phone. You don't need to be notified every time somebody sends you a sales email. Like if your phone is dinging every time, like what's important. And so like I've taken all notifications off. Even when I get a text message, I don't, I don't get it. I have to open up my phone and I have to like, I'm looking at it right now and I've been off of it for three hours and my, it's completely clear because when I open it, then I'll see all the stuff that I need, but I just want to see what time it is because this is a vortex and you get like sucked in and like three hours go by. You're like, Oh my gosh, I missed four meetings. How did that happen? What the? So, you know, taking control of your tools, that's a huge one right there. And I mean, I got that from Tim Ferriss. He put out a blog post a couple weeks ago about your phone and using it as a tool, but de- delaying the gratification curbing your spending habits, you know, like you want something, you know, the, the example of like, when I told my wife, Hey, um, I want to go, I'm going to quit my job and go to a conference to see if I have coffee with this woman who can hire me. And she goes, no. But then a couple weeks later when I still wanted it, she was like, okay, because people are impulsive. I'm impulsive. A lot of people are impulsive. Maybe I'm the other one, but I know I am. And she knew that. And so but a couple of weeks later, all of a sudden it's like, yeah, okay, you know, you still want this, go for it. And so I think what one is delaying the gratification, knowing that there's something better moving forward, because all the times when I was writing those coach notes and I didn't have a job at IMG Academy helped when I got the opportunity to have a job at IMG Academy. And so if you want something, you have to start working now for it. Because the opportunity could come. If the opportunity had come right away, when I first started, when I put the thing on the wall and I was checking off stuff, I wasn't ready. I wouldn't have been ready for that. And so uh, I was reading, uh, this sounds really pretentious, but like I was reading Nietzsche <laughs> a couple weeks ago. And he talks about how if anybody saw the mundane tasks of a champion, of a master over five, six, seven years, it wouldn't be impressive. Because we, as a, as, a, as, a rate, as, a, as a species, we want to think that people are born with gifts and that when they jump in the pool, that they're just really fast. Or when they, they grab a football, they just throw it and all of a sudden it's perfect. No, they were terrible when they first started. All of them were terrible. And if they were really good as a sixth grader, you're in the wrong league. You were just bigger than everybody else. Like, you didn't weren't talented. You were just, there's this one video out there of a rugby player who's like a foot taller than everybody in sixth grade and he's running over people. That's not talent. That's height. <laughs> Congratulations. You know? Yeah. And, and what's, you know, what's interesting about that is I bet if we did a follow up on that video, I bet that kid, everybody caught up and that kid's terrible. He never had to develop any skill because he had the talent of a growth spurt. So, yep. that's not talent. so 
I think it's just, it's building what you want for the future right now, being intentional about who you are. Uh, I mean, you know, like I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm naturally muscular. I don't think that that my dad's was thin. My mom was thin, but I'm muscular because when I walk into a room of eighth grade boys, they see, Oh, he's got muscle and that's immediate credibility. And I know that it's super shallow. (laughs) I get that, but I got a message for these eighth grade kids. And if I need to learn how to floss just to get their attention, if I need to catch a Pokemon, if I need to read Harry Potter, whatever it takes for me to be more and more intentional about my influence on these young boys and young girls, I'm going to do it. You know, and the the Pokemon thing, that was an IMG. It's a funny story. I was walking around the weight room and I had two hours off and this kid was walking around the weight room and he was like, Remember Pokemon Go, oh, right? Yeah. Doing this. It was like two years ago. The most so, active America has ever been as a whole was when Pokemon Go came out and everybody was out everywhere. Since Hula Hoops, right? It's the, it's the most active since Hula Hoops. <laughs> and so this kid's like this and I knew he was going to be in my class. So I walked up to him and I'm like, hey man, like, what are you doing? And uh, he's like, I'm catching Pokemon. I was like, oh, that's awesome. There's one over here too. And I showed him. I already had the app open. I knew what he was doing. And I had never, I didn't know what Pokemon, but I downloaded it, started an account. And all of a sudden I saw Pikachu. He was by the dumbbells. So I was like, boom. And I got him. And I'm like, Hey, what are you doing? He's like catching Pokemon. I was like, dude, there's Pikachu over by the dumbbells. Took him to the dumbbells. We caught Pikachu. High five. Awesome. Two hours later, he shows up in my class. All the kids, when they walk into my class, always shake their hands. When he came in, he shook my hand. He was so excited. He ran in. He's like, guys, this coach is awesome. He catches Pokemon. They're like, no way. I'm like, yeah, dude, I took out a Pikachu down by the dumbbells. Immediate, like, credibility. Now I can talk to eighth grade tennis players or t- tennis athletes about character because I've related to that. And so sometimes you've got to do things that you don't really care about in order for you to be able to more relate to the people that you want to serve, the people you want to help. It, you know, it's funny. We have almost no problem doing that from a romantic standpoint, if you like someone, you're going to go to yeah, yeah, that's funny. like anything like that to win the affection. Mm-hmm. You may hate the ballet, but you will be there front row ready to go if it impresses mm-hmm. the person that you like. However, when it comes to our career and look at that, that was nice, yeah. huh? That's great. <laughs> when it comes to our careers, yeah. we tend to forget that. We tend to drop the ball thinking the people I'm here to serve, I want to make an impact on. I've got to have those same interests. And so if it is those high school athletes that you're trying to connect with, Pokemon Go or Fortnite or learning about the different games and activities and things that they're interested in allow you to connect. And so that's something we obviously all need to keep in mind going forward because we're all starting the work today for where we want to be a year, two years, five years from now, regardless of what age we are. James. Okay. For people that have listened to the show, watch the video, want to find out more about your work, get on your coach notes email. Where can they go to get connected? Jamesleith.com. It's kind of the hub for my stuff. And so it's uh, James L E A T H.com. I'm on Twitter, uh, mostly on Instagram and uh, trying to get more consistent with the social media, uh, you know, it's, it's a beast. But yeah, so that, that's where I'm at. Um, and you can, I, I do some online courses. I've got, um, I've got a, a team building activity course that I think a lot of coaches, if you work with young athletes that you really like that. Uh, yeah, we, um, what's, a, what's a coupon code that you usually use? 
to be compete. We're going to have a link to it. We'll have the code compete on there. We'll have it all in the show notes. Uh, So if you're listening to the show, if you're watching us on YouTube, it'll be down in the description. Uh, But definitely check it out. If you coach youth athletes, if you work with kids, uh, anything of that nature, James has a ton of valuable courses and activities and content online uh, that will pay big dividends with your teams and your culture. That's it. Yep. So we'll, we'll get a discount in there. And uh, man, it's, it's a pleasure, pleasure meeting with you and, and being on your show. Thanks for having me. I'm honored. Thank you for tuning into another episode of the Compete Everyday Podcast. Visit CompeteEverydayPodcast.com to learn how you can get connected with other everyday competitors. Contact the show and find resources to help compete for your best life.